0: podcast this is episode 99 that means next week we are going to be doing our 100th episode but first we need to get through number 99 so let's start with some introductions i'm your host nate and i don't want to brag but i'm already mythic this month and within the top 1000 players who play arena yeah, I'm not going to brag. Okay, I'm joined, <laughs> as always, by my co-host, the one and only Tony. Well, he might not be in the top percentage of players based on wins. I'm told he's in the top 1% of games played. And I don't know if you play that much shouldn't you? you know, even make Mythic <laughs> by accident at some point. Wow. Anyway, rude. if you'd how like to find <laughs> me on the internet, I'm Darth Heretic, and Tony is MTG underscore Tony. But wait that's not all we also have our favorite guest co-host on for today's cast luke the limited guru himself will be joining us if you want to talk to him just don't don't he doesn't have social he doesn't really do that <laughs> that's not really his bag baby if you want to get a hold of the podcast be sure to sign up to our patreon at patreon.com slash filthy luke would you remind us on why we are here and why we are so desperate to have you on our podcast?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me back on. <laughs> um, uh, I've got a seventy percent win rate in this limited format, March the Machine, and Ooh, I three uh, o wow. every draft that I've been to in paper so far. So, Whew. I thought I'd share some of the things that have been working for me. Uh, I know that you always
0: uh, win the pre-releases.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I love this format. And, you know, LSV tweeted that this might be his favorite format of all time. And they've just been consistently putting out uh, great set after great set. Like, Brothers War was one of my favorites. Um, this one's great. And Brothers War came out right after Dominari United, which was another all timer. So, uh, if you're getting tired of Fable of the Mirror Breaker, <laughs> uh, Invoke <laughs> Despair, maybe. Reckoner Bankbuster, you guys like these <laughs> cards? <laughs> don't don't uh, don't get me
0: started, Luke.
1: Wandering. Don't over. get
0: me started.
1: <laughs> don't worry, we'll be talking all about that in a little bit. Oh, moment.
0: I know, I know, we will.
1: Yeah, you can just come over the limited, and uh, you can lose to Sunfall instead. Uh, but at least you at least <laughs> you get to lose trick. to the new cards. So if you want to actually play with new cards,
2: <laughs> oh
1: yeah, that that's true. That that
2: is a good thing, right there. Yeah. All right, but anyway, this episode is no discount episode, nothing 99 cents about this one. We're going to go pop some tags, I only got $20 in my pocket. Hey Luke, can I wow. beat him up? <laughs> <laughs> what can I say, we got the Velcro's. <laughs> I also want to go over quickly, this time, 1999, the pop culture references from that year. Oh god. You know, we're going to rock this podcast like it's 1999. That's uh, even this a year so much better than that year. No, I know, but okay. it, it right. just kind of it fit. So anyway, uh, this year was so much better than ninety eight. Ninety eight last year was just last week was was garbage, right? I told you it was bad. But ninety nine, we got to meet SpongeBob for the first time. Okay. Family Guy premiered that year.
0: Okay.
2: The Matrix episode one came out that year. Episode, I mean, Charlie.
0: I like how you just write. I love this. I love how you just <laughs> wrote Episode 1 comes out this year. Not of what, but we know what you're talking about just by writing Episode 1.
2: You better know, especially what Episode 1 means.
0: Oh, I absolutely do. Uh,
2: me and my friend Zach went to see Episode 1 like 10 times. Yeah. The day, the day it came out, uh, we skipped school that day and just watched it like twice. It was awesome. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, the first that showing is, was like that is 10 a.m.
0: Favorite fact about you, Tony?
2: <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, Jar Jar Binks was a household name that year.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'd love to talk about Fight Club, but you know the first rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. The
0: first rule of what, Tony?
2: I don't know. Uh, some of the greatest songs came out from '99. Also, yeah. I mean, "Blue" "Blue" by Eiffel Tower. That's some of the greatest songs. <laughs> I don't know if you ever went to Kmart, but they played that song all the time is
0: it because of their blue light specials.
2: Oh, absolutely, yep, yep, all the time. Mambo number five, hit me, baby, one more time, and I want it that way. I mean, clearly, tell me why I'm still doing a podcast with this
0: guy. <laughs> <laughs> tell
2: I mean, come me on, this why. is this is the golden age of music, right there. Okay? No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Believe it or not, Pokemon God, no. began in 99 also. The movie, the Game Boy games, even the card game all came out in 1999. And of course, we can't forget that's the year that I graduated. So I don't know if I have you're some right reason.
0: about all of that Pokemon information.
2: Um, according to the one website that I checked, it is <laughs> I a I don't fact. know
0: if the game, the movie, and the card game all came out in the same year. I am the- not sure about that.
2: I don't know. That's what it said.
0: I don't know. I'm just saying.
2: I'm not, uh, I didn't do any research on it. I'm just trying to remember back. And the amount of uh, research I did, it says it was true. <laughs> okay, Tony. <laughs> the singular website that I went to. <laughs> and if you read it on the internet, it must be true. Okay.
0: If you say so, Tony
2: uh Luke, what do you remember about the year 1999
1: oh i remember so much that was a great year <laughs> i wasn't born yet uh, oh
0: nothing about uh what do you call it there um what was the glitch
2: oh the y2k no that's Y2K. From the year that's from, that's from 2000 that's for next week
0: okay that's for next week for our oh no World that's for our two- no that's
2: for our 2000th episode <laughs> okay that's that's when we go over y2k <laughs>
0: I actually knew the answer to Y2K, because 3K is too much.
2: So anyway, we've got a full episode for you today. We're going to start with our FND 101, where we go over this the week that was in our lives. Then we're going to move on to our casual upgrades, a segment designed to help you enjoy the game of magic more. Then we're going to check out any magic news that happened this week. We've got some big things to talk about in there. And then we're going to hit up Luke in our Limited with Luke uh, where he will give us all of the information we could ever need for March of the Machines Limited, and of course, if we have time, we will talk about the deck lists that we've been playing recently. Sounds good. Yeah. FND one oh one. Luke, what'd you do this week?
1: I got to cube outside because the weather was super nice.
2: Oh, the oh. weather was gorgeous. The
1: weather
0: has been beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel bad
2: for my neighbors because I was shirtless out in the backyard just hanging out.
0: Feel bad for your neighbors; they get a free show.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you do anything uh, in particular, or just kind of hang out? Yeah, it um,
1: I just hung out. That was a I had a really fun deck uh, for Cube that day. It was a blue-black ninja deck with opposition. mm Oh, yeah. Had Jace the Mind Sculptor, um, yeah. The games were fun. I have nice. changed my cube a lot since uh, I played with you, Tony. Yeah, clearly. Um, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, opposition uh, might stand out. But yeah, no
2: longer is this going to be like a pauper cube. This is going to be a like, powered up cube, apparently.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that was fun. I also went to the Soldier on Friday. Played some March Machine nice. Draft. 3-0'd, apparently. Yeah. Uh, b- yeah, blue-green, yeah, splashing <laughs> splashing red for Borberigmos in Fibblethip. Oh, nice. I was actually okay. misreading that card. Not that it ever came up, because it never uh, really mattered. Uh, but, because um, the game's ended before I could ever attack with it. But I thought that its trigger <laughs> was just... drag <Humble> <laughs> Either that, or I just never <laughs> saw it. Like, um... Yeah, it was hiding in the deck, but I thought that its uh, trigger was only on enter the battlefield. But it, it, you also get to draw a card and like discard a land and kill a creature when it attacks too. So yeah, that, that card is twice just twice x hit. damage. Yeah, I get killed
0: by that earlier this morning. Like, what is this?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's a lot of text. I missed something from it.
0: <laughs> <that>. A <laughs> wall of text, and, it, and walls of text are going away.
2: And the thing about those cards is, some of them are just enter the battlefield, some are ba- enter the battlefield and mm-hmm. attack, some are enter the battlefield and leave the bat- battlefield. Yep, yeah. It is like, th- there's far too many things to read on those cards. I wish mm-hmm. they'd made them a little more consistent.
1: hmm I think Fogwalker was a pretty funny example, uh, kind of recently, from Shadows Over Innistrad Remastered. It was a one in a blue 1-3, when, when they tried out Skulk as a keyword. Um, and when it enters the battlefield, you get to tap down, or no, sorry, you don't get to tap down a creature. You just choose a creature and it doesn't untap, um, on their controller's next untap step. So it's like you, you put a stun counter on it, but it doesn't actually tap the creature. And (laughs) I think (laughs) everyone misread that card. Yeah. Yeah. Nate, how about you? What'd you do?
0: Me? I went, uh, I went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy this week, the new one. That was a very good movie. I cried twice, maybe three times in the movie. It was Mom? that good. It, it has been a while since a really good like Marvel movie has come out. So I'm very happy with how good that was. And then went to the movies again over the weekend with my uh, niece and nephew, who I have not seen since... we We literally gave them their Christmas gifts. That's how long it's been since I've seen them brought brought him to the movies. We went to see the Mario movie.
2: Ooh, I saw yeah. that too.
0: Yeah. Did you enjoy
2: it? Yeah. I did. I laughed a lot during yeah, the movie. Yeah, what was your favorite part? <laughs> I mean the commercial at the beginning was fantastic. Yeah, that was that was really good. That was
0: that was really good. I like that they used the uh Super Mario Brothers super show theme.
2: That's exactly what I was there. gonna say.
0: Yep, yep. I know that's exactly what you were gonna say because we talked about it in the pre-show. It's yes. exactly uh, what you, uh, you talked said about it. in the pre-show. Yeah, the, the Patreon exclusive. This is an, a pre-show you want to hear. Um. Anyway,
2: <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, I totally forgot that people can <laughs> listen to that.
0: <laughs> forgot that people listen to the pre-show. Don't worry, no one ever does. <laughs> so then we went to the uh, we went to a park uh-huh. and brought them around. This was a park I went to as a kid. So it was cool to see, you know, my niece and nephew playing in the park that I used to play as as a kid. That was really fun. And then it it's been gorgeous out, so setting up my uh area outside, made my grill so I could actually see it at night. So when I grill at night, I've got like lights over it now. Set up my gazebo. I think uh the Zelda game is coming out this weekend, so I think I'm going to move a TV out into my gazebo and play Zelda out in my uh, gazebo all weekend. Oh, if that it's sounds gorgeous. awesome.
2: Yeah. That sounds very nice. Yeah.
0: What about you, Tony? How was your week?
2: My week was awesome. I, I I had so much fun this week. Yeah. Um. Friday night, I went to a Cinco de Mayo party at my friend's house.
0: Yeah.
2: And um, I made queso for the first time, like mm-hmm. the, yep. the cheese dip. Yeah. I'm telling you, it was the best cheese dip I've ever had.
0: Yeah, is it because you made it? I. Or is it I don't it know. It was homemade.
2: It was homemade, and I think that could be why. Yeah. But it, it, was, it was delicious, and I, I saw the recipe on TikTok, so <laughs> now I'm getting my recipes from there, too, which is kind of funny. Wow. Um, but I also I also went to Lil's Cafe. The only reason I talk about this is one of the people who come in and play uh, Magic on Mondays, he works there. Oh, okay. And he, he brought me a couple donuts from there, mm-hmm. and I was like, this donut is amazing. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, like, you, don't, the next you know week, the way to get me to do anything. Just bring
2: me some donuts. <laughs> And then the next week, he brought, uh, like, I don't know, 10 donuts in. Mm-hmm. And I took one. He gave one to a bunch of the people there. And then he had a bunch extra. Mm-hmm. He's like, Tony, you want to take them home? You know, give them to your family. I'm like, yeah, of mm-hmm. course I do. So my son had one in the car on the way home. He loved it. Mm-hmm. And then the wife tried it. And she was like, oh, my God, this is the best donut I've ever had. Wow. I'm like, oh, you, you want to go up there? To, it's in Kittery, Maine. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a drive. Uh, we drove up there and had it all fresh, and uh, him and one of the other people who play Magic, I didn't know he worked there, too. They were both there. Oh, they are like, awesome. Tony! And they were all excited to see me. Awesome. Gave me a, gave me a big discount, which was awesome.
0: Nice. For being, yeah. f- for being famous, real famous uh, TikToker?
2: Yeah, I think they listen to the podcast yeah. every week, oh, so. Okay. Yeah, they're big fans. I'm sure if you went up there, the same thing would happen.
0: Not, not because you're a big, famous, you know, bowling TikToker?
2: <laughs> that could be, too. I don't yeah. know. Famous and for then, multiple reasons. Infamous, sometimes. <laughs> and then we saw The Interrupters, Saturday night. Uh, Made my buddy Josh Potts. Um, apparently, he doesn't go to concerts very often.
0: I don't know who The Interrupters are.
2: Oh my god, you gotta check them out. They're so good. They are my second favorite band of all time.
0: Well, give me a song I might actually know. And if the answer is you would know none of them, I, I understand that.
2: So if you watched The Umbrella Academy oh okay they had a song in there you might have heard okay um they played She Got Arrested She's Kerosene um She's Kerosene Take Take Back the Power Raised by Wolves but either way
0: Wolves wait no
2: uh we both knew like every song that they played yeah and so it was a great concert because of that awesome and because he this is only the second rock concert he's ever been to yeah. And this time he actually knew the songs and knew the mm-hmm. so he's yeah, like, This yeah. is the best concert I've ever been to in my whole life. This is amazing. You know, and I'm like, It was a good concert. Second. but <laughs> <laughs> This is just the Hampton Beach Casino ballroom. It's yeah. sucking. Yeah, yeah. But he was so happy about going there and it was it was a great time. Awesome. Yep. Uh, recorded a couple bowling matches, made a low light video. Somebody let me do a low light video of them.
0: I don't know what that
2: means. So a highlight video would be all the best okay. shots that they did. Uh,
0: okay, yep. okay.
2: I got to make all their misses in terrible shots. Okay. And he, he's, he's like, oh yeah, if you, you make whatever video you want. I'm like, I'll make a low light. He's like, yeah, whatever, do that's fine. <laughs> so I'm like, for real? I get to do this? And so, but he said that then, and then afterward, when I went to go actually make the video... I'm like, I text him. I'm like, are you sure I can do this? You're not going to take offense to it. And he did not. So I made a low light video of him. And everybody in the Candlepin community loved it. They thought it was hilarious.
0: I want to see a low light video
2: of you. Oh my, I I made one. I made one of myself. Okay. Yep. And all the shots that I missed at one of the tournaments I went to. So last night, I go to bowling, like I do every Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. And the guy who pulled up in front of me, um, was getting out of his car and he was wearing like a, you know what a hockey sweater is? You know, like the jersey, yeah. basically.
0: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah.
2: So he's getting his balls out of his car and I notice on the sleeve. <laughs> I'm a child. <laughs> the sleeve, I see the mana symbols.
0: Oh, nice.
2: And I was like, whoa, stop right there. I'm like, the, what is that? And then the back has um, like the big mana symbol and it says, uh, uh, 93 is the number.
0: Yeah.
2: And it says, like, magic for a name on the back. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the coolest sweater I've ever seen. And he's like, oh, thank you. So I go in and I start talking. He's like, yeah, I started playing a revised, then took a little time off. I'm like, wait a minute. You play magic and you like candlepin bowling? <laughs> like, <laughs> we should be best friends.
0: Hug? Did you start making out with them? <laughs> like, we should
2: be best friends right now. <laughs> Like, oh I've got a God. podcast on magic. Best and... friends? Well, I, be- I have a podcast about magic that they actually let me talk about bowling on. <laughs> That's what I said to him. He's like, you know, because he, he had said, he's like, oh, you know, you have a podcast. What do you talk about? I'm like, bowling. <laughs> 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 he's like, I'll have to check it out. So, you're really if you're good. listening to this, I just want to let you know that we're talking about you. Uh, and then, one last thing about my week that I'm super stoked about. Uh, TJ's Collectibles had made a post about how they had HeroQuest in stock,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and HeroQuest was my favorite board game as a kid. Okay, it if you can imagine D anD D, but on a board game. Okay, where you're still fighting monsters, you're still there's wizards and you know fighters and thieves, but you know one per you know person. Okay, and you travel around a dungeon and then you collect the treasure, and that's how you play the game. Okay. Super fun game, but if I tried to find it a couple years ago and um, it was $300 for a used copy, you were
0: like, hard pass.
2: <clears throat> yeah, I'm like, no, 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 no. But it turns out it was remade, and I'm like, but it was remade by Avalon Hill, and I'm like, Mick can order Avalon nice. Hill stuff. So I text Mick, I'm like, Mick, can you get it? He's like, yes, nice. yes, I can. So I got my copy of it, and I'm having a little hero quest party this week. Nice, yeah. got a bunch of people coming over to play hero quest it's gonna be a lot of fun fun. cool yep so no more magic on friday night again this week because we're (laughs) playing hero (laughs) quest instead
1: we'll miss you tony
2: yeah i know Someone needs to break your 30 streak though so i'm gonna have to get down there at some point all
1: right
2: let's move on to some casual upgrades shall we
0: okay you got a long one here tony
2: I think this is the shortest one I've ever written. (laughs) Uh, This week, I want you to take a break from Constructed Magic and try some Limited. Uh, Playing different formats makes you a better Magic player. So if you can learn Limited a little more, it'll help you get back to the basics of really where Magic began. It's it's basically Magic as Richard Garfield intended.
0: That's what they always say.
2: (laughs) That's what they say about everything. Storm. That's how... (laughs) It's the magic that Richard Garfield intended. I I like how the
0: cat has something to say about your uh, casual upgrade as well.
2: Yeah, he wants to go outside. (laughs) But that's not the outdoor cat. Gotcha. So he's not allowed outside. Gotcha. Sorry, Lemur. (whistles) I know, Uh, but you can't.
0: Okay, Tony. I will play some Limited this week.
2: Nice. You said that last time, too, and you never did. (laughs) 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 Sorry if I don't believe you, you know? No fingers are crossed. <laughs> <laughs> nice, 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 nice. So we get some magic news of the week now, too. All
0: right. Magic news of the week. Oh, my God. Okay. Can we do a smash cut to me from last week saying...
2: I mean, you're literally the person who does the editing. You I know. do what you want. Yes, yes. I know.
0: I, I just added it in. It, it's okay. In oh, now. yeah, of
2: course. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was just saying how I wanted Standard. I couldn't wait for rotation. I was just saying that. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm so sick of Fable of the Mirror Breaker. I'm so sick of Invoke Despair.
2: So, basically, what they announced is that Standard is going to go to a three-year Standard. So, we will have one more year of Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Invoke Despair, She Oldred, Liliana of the Veil... Graveyard Trespasser, Reckoner, Bank Buster, everything. Which, it's good for paper. I I hundred percent it is. I agree, it is good for paper. People need to be able to use their cards longer. Okay. And maybe this will help Standard in stores.
0: How about they just bring down the cost of Standard?
2: I thought they basically did that with all the collector boosters. That's what that was supposed to do, is help lower the prices.
0: Yeah, and that didn't work.
2: It didn't work, and I don't understand why.
0: actually lower the price of standard, make your cards easier to get to, make your cards more easily purchased, instead of making game pieces be so expensive.
1: I think what they'd have to do is uh, probably make the dual lands uncommon, but I don't think they'll ever do that. I think that would go a long way.
2: I don't think it's the lands that's the problem right now. It's the pieces you need, and every good piece you need is a mythic rare, Mm -hmm. it feels like. And then even the regular rares are good in so many um, formats that they're just worth a ton of money. Like Fable of the Mirror Breaker, you need four of them for your standard deck. You need four of them for your pioneer deck. You need four of them for your modern deck. Mm -hmm. You need two in your cube. You know? It's, you do not. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to put that
1: card in your cube. It's so
2: good. You need two of them in your cube. <laughs> and then, like, you know, Shieldred, I opened up a ton of packs of Dominaria and only opened one Shieldred.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so, how many other people are, are like this where, you know, I spent $1,000 or more on Dominaria packs and I only got one Shieldred? It's hard to get a shieldred. Invoke despairs, you know, you you gotta be opening a ton of packs or buying them on the secondary market. It's just tough.
0: I'm I just pulled up five colour reanimator on uh, on MTG Goldfish. This deck in paper costs six hundred and seventy two dollars.
2: That's a lot of money for six hundred
0: and seventy two dollars. Two of them are shield... 147 for two shieldreds.
2: Yeah, no, I know. It's a ridiculous amount of money right now. Shieldred
0: is $75? 73? This is the most
2: expensive standard has ever been right now.
0: $73, and this is a card that's not rotating out of standard now.
2: Right, and we're not going to get more of those pieces.
0: Nope.
2: Like, it's nobody's opening be, up more Dominaria. Right it's
0: now. only going to be more expensive... For two more years, when was Dominaria supposed to even... We're not getting rid of Dominaria if it cycled out. We were getting rid of the Innistrads Innistrad. and, and mm. Kamigawa. Nukapena.
2: And Nukapena, I think.
0: So even, Shieldred would still be around, but now we're going to have to deal with Shieldred for a whole other year, and you're bringing down the cost of Standard that way?
1: I also that wonder... Like what this, how this would affect deck diversity? Because I know that's something I've heard people complaining about, Um, like the fact that black red is what fifty percent of the meta, Um, at
2: least fifty percent. Yeah. Like
1: I feel like if rotation is longer, I just wonder if that just means that the most powerful cards, because there's always going to be the most powerful cards in a format. If those are just Mm -hmm. going to be played for longer and just siphle out more of the. A larger percentage of the new cards which would probably be stronger relative to the rest of the format if those uh, new cards were in a smaller format I don't know it's just it feels like it, it's not really solving that problem but I might be looking at it in the wrong way because I don't play a lot of constructed
2: um, the only thing I can think of that they might be able to do with a three-year compared to a two-year standard is If they see there's a problem with Rakdos, like there is kind of... No, I don't want to say there's a problem with Rakdos right now. It's just overpowered right now. Is they can lower the power level on their next few sets in black and red and increase the power level in the white-green. And then that might be able to help diversify everything a little better. With two years, they might not have the same turnaround that they are able to.
0: The other problem I see with it is you never get a small format anymore. You never get that small five-set format where there's not a lot of powerful stuff because you only have four sets to choose from or five sets to choose from. So you mm-hmm. kind of have to like haphazardly throw some stuff together until new sets come out and add to it. You're just going to have a two sets of standard worth of decks and then keep adding more in. You're never going to... It's always going to be a more powerful standard. Standard is just going to be more powerful from here on out because of it.
1: Yeah, like, are they going to power creep Shuljit, or are they going to have to ban it? or Because I always I see Shuljit just being always going to be one of the most powerful cards. Like, better than mm-hmm. <laughs> so many of the things mm-hmm. that you can be doing. So it's going to have to be <laughs> one of the two, I think.
0: Personally, yeah. I'm not a fan of this. I don't think it really solves your problem with getting people to play Paper Standard because Arena just makes Standard so much easier to play than Paper. The soldier doesn't uh,
1: do Standard
2: events anymore, does it? No, we used to do it on Monday nights, and then nobody showed up for like three weeks in a row. So I switched to Commander. And it's been Commander ever since. Yeah, yep. Commander's booming. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, like our Commander uh, group, we get like 12 people every week, no questions.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But then, standard, I was getting one or two people. And it was just, it wasn't good enough, you it know? It is so
0: yeah. much easier to sit behind your computer for four hours and play 12 games of magic than it is to go into your, your LGS for four hours and play four games of magic. Mm hmm. It's just how it is. It's just easier to do from your home. And with, with Arena as good of a game as it is, which we give Arena a lot of crap, but it is a good game. We play it a lot because we enjoy it.
2: I would still play Standard, though, in paper, if people wanted to. I would have a lot of fun with it. I wouldn't,
0: but I wouldn't be playing Standard if it wasn't for Arena. And I'm not even playing Standard right now because Standard is boring. Standard hasn't changed in so long.
2: So? They have, Stand- they have a...
0: Standard is the, solved. Right? We so have a solved th- standard. Why are you giving me more sets into a solved standard?
2: I agree. And that's the problem with Arena is we play too many games on Arena.
0: hmm And Correct.
2: so the... It gets solved relatively quickly. Correct. So what's your answer, Tony? What's your big, big, huge
0: answer? I okay, see it's smart. not my
2: answer. It's not my <laughs> answer. This is Wizard's answer. Okay. Okay. they The digital um, first players are playing a lot more than paper players. And so they are changing Alchemy to basically the old standard, where the two-year rotation is still happening... And so you're gonna get all new fresh cards coming in and you're gonna have your small standard and stuff you're able to do just with alchemy stuff.
0: Why is it that? And, I, why is it that I like that?
2: <laughs> because you're more of a digital player now than a paper player. I, and,
0: just, I like that alchemy is just separating itself from standard. because alchemy has just been, why am I playing this and not standard? the yep, entire no. time
2: no, I don't think the entire time at first alchemy was better than standard because standard was broken at the time mm-hmm. and then now it, it, standard is much better than it was then mm-hmm. so yeah why would you play alchemy if you can play standard And which is fine you know. but now there's going to be a difference between alchemy and standard be a, like huge, a real difference there's going
0: to be a huge difference between the two
2: yeah and I think this is actually going to be a boon for alchemy yeah Yeah, I do. I mean, who knows? I thought it was a big thing before, and it really wasn't. But I think this is going to help the digital players.
0: But we'll have to wait and see. You're still not going to get me into alchemy, I think. I I like that it's now completely different than standard, but you're still not going to get me to play alchemy. I'll stick with historic and see the very few alchemy cards I run into there. And the very few I do run into, I absolutely hate. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah fair enough All right, and um, one last thing to talk about on Magic News there's a Secret Lair Commander deck
0: what is it going to take two years to get to get it to you
2: no not this time they, they promised this time it is already pre-printed and ready to ship out really yes
0: why so
2: it is a limited quantity they only have so many Commander decks available and because of the issues they had last time with the Commander deck, this time they're pre-printed, ready to go now. Okay. And so, they will start shipping out uh, wow, uh, soon. Yeah, the, it says
0: uh, May 10th. Today. Which is today, Yeah.
2: Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're going to start shipping today.
0: So, um, this is called From Cute to Brute and it is a uh, double-faced deck. All the cards have two sides to them. You get five special cards with special artwork, the front being adorableness, and the back being, you know, apparently <laughs> grotesqueness. I don't know. It's supposed to look evil. Looks evil, I guess. Um, personally, the adorable little Nicol Bolas is the only reason why I would ever get this, because that Nicol Bolas, the Ravager is cute.
1: I was going to bring that up. I really do like that Nicol Bolas.
0: Everything else here, I think, is only okay. Um, Apparently, the back of Prismatic Bridge has some stolen artwork on it, I heard. I don't know. They took that Nickel Bolas head off of another Nickel Bolas card, I'm being told.
1: Yep,
2: yep, yep. I heard. I
0: I don't know.
1: I feel like something similar to that happened a while ago with a Nickel Bolas card. Correct, Jeff, yep, it's always Nickel Bolas. Why is it Nickel
2: <laughs> He's so hard to draw, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, that's, that's true, but.
0: Um, the the did you look at the deck list for this the entire deck list tony
2: um i looked over it but i haven't really
0: um i honestly it doesn't look like a terrible deck it also doesn't look like a good deck you know what i mean it's just it's got a whole bunch of double face cards in it but mm-hmm. other than that it doesn't really seem to have a good like solid theme to it it does have one of each of the pathways.
2: Yes, it does.
0: Which I thought was really cool, that you get one of each of the pathways in this. Um, I don't know how much it would cost you to just buy one of each of the pathways. I'm sure it would be less than $150, which is the <laughs> cost of yeah. this deck. But this also comes with one of each of the flipped planeswalkers from Magic Origins. And I know that Jace was Yeah, Jace is cool. That Jace was some money for a
2: while. No, oh, that Jace was big money for a little while when yeah. it was in Standard. Uh-huh. That, that card was like 50, 60 bucks.
1: Yup, that was some money for a
2: while. I mean, it's so not Shield
1: or expensive, but it was the most expensive <laughs> card in Standard. Oh, I, th- I think I remember <laughs> when it was in Standard, it was like 80, 90.
0: Yeah, it was ridiculous. And this, this looks like a decent deck. You you picking one of these up, Tony? I Already did. Yeah? Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. I, I liked it. I liked the art on it, and so I picked up one them.
0: And you get a whole bunch of double-sided tokens. Um, if... I don't know if I'm going to pick this up. If I do, it's not being kept together and played. It's being parted out.
2: Yeah, I will definitely play it at least once, and then we'll see after that.
0: But other than that, eh, I don't know. I think maybe 150 bucks might be a bit expensive, for one mm-hmm. deck, especially if I'm just going to part it out. So, I don't know.
2: We will yeah, see. No, it's, it's fine. I just, I, I'm kind of excited about it. And I didn't get the last one, so kind of a FOMO issue. You know, the last, the last one, one was really good.
0: And it's such a fun deck to play. I
2: literally yeah, so, play that
0: deck all the time. I enjoy it.
2: Yep, yep, yep. So, I I, I already ordered it. I ordered it this morning. Yeah. That's why I put it on the list, so that way we can talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, the Nicol Bolas, I mean come on now. The card's are amazing. And the Lord of Lineage, the backside of the bloodline keeper. Yeah, yeah. The art honestly freaks me out. Yeah. Like it like just the the no face, just the eyes and the teeth. Mm-hmm. Terrifies me. And they all look like Oogie Boogie.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Noogie
2: Boogie's terrifying. Okay, if you say so. God, Oogie Boogie is so scary. <laughs> He's filled with gross like insects and bugs and anytime he talks they come falling out of Ugh. No, that's nasty to me. Okay then. He's definitely one of the scariest people like villains in a movie.
0: From Nightmare Before Christmas?
2: Yeah, from Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay then. He doesn't terrify you? <laughs>
0: I do not, I am not remotely fascinated with that the way the rest of the world seems to be. Hmm. That's all. I don't like Tim, what's his face? Burton. Burton. I don't like his style. I'm not a fan of his style or his aesthetic at all. At Hmm. all. Not a fan of that aesthetic. And people love it. And I'm just, okay, whatever. It's a weird aesthetic to want to be obsessed with. Okay, that being said, I I, I Star Wars everything, so who am I to, I don't, you know what I mean? (laughs) I'm not saying you're, I don't like I just, it's not my aesthetic, whatever, I'm not judging people who do, just don't like it myself. That's all. The only, the only Tim Burton's things I like are when you, at the end, you go, that was Tim Burton? Okay, maybe that, what, like Big Fish? Did you see Mm -hmm. that movie Big Fish?
2: Oh, I don't know if I did. I
0: remember it, but I don't know if the, I saw it. The very end, I'm like, that was a Tim Burton movie that I thought about. I'm like, okay, that was a happy Tim Burton movie. That was a Tim Burton movie with light and happiness instead of his dark and dreary Edgar Allan Poe wannabe, you know? Right.
2: Beetlejuice was a Tim Burton movie, and
0: right? I, I enjoyed Beetlejuice. And I was surprised I enjoyed Beetlejuice because I don't like that aesthetic. So, when I yeah. watched that movie and thoroughly enjoyed every second of that movie, I myself was surprised at how much I liked that movie because I don't like Tim Burton's aesthetic.
2: On to Limited with Luke. Sounds good. Luke, my boy, how would you like to start this out today?
1: Uh, before we get really into this, I do just want to uh, briefly touch on 17 Lands um, in the day. Yeah, that it absolutely. Comes with it, so. Uh, I brought this up last time on the podcast, and I just think it's useful to bring up again because it is really important if you want to really improve at Limited um, to at least uh, know what's out there, and um, yeah, I mean, it's useful for players of all skill levels, you know, whether you're a new drafter or you're a pro player like Sam Black, there's always a lot to learn from it, and it's just a tool. Uh, yeah, we are but, a
0: huge fan of using our uh, overlays. We like I like untapped.gg for um, constructed, but yeah. Yeah, every, used... everything I've heard about 17 lands is what you want to be using if you're drafting.
1: Yep, and I use untapped.gg too. Um, it's uh-huh. great to just know what's in your deck um, uh, just from a gameplay perspective. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but 17 lands is just a tool that helps you understand the format better. Uh, it's just it's really good for reevaluating certain cards that uh, might be underperforming or overperforming compared to where you'd expect or how you evaluate the card. Um, mm-hmm. You don't need to study the data; you can just skim through it. Um, you know, it just helps you consider cards in a different way that uh, you wouldn't otherwise. Just brings to your attention some, you know, d- any discrepancies that you might notice, like. Um, and when you do look at the data on the website, you generally look at the games-in-hand win rate um, just for determining the quality of a card because it's just the most representative metric. It includes all points of the game where the card is in hand at any point. Uh, and so you want, to compare, you want to compare this to the average win rate of a 17 lands user, which is around 55%. So that's your baseline uh, because the average player who has 17 lands is going to be... A little bit better on average than just the average arena drafter.
2: Hey, speak for yourself, okay? <laughs> 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 I bring that average down. <laughs>
1: yeah, but you shouldn't just blindly pick just according to the data, though, because um, there's more nuance to it than that. That's why I like to just say that it's a tool to help you, because um, um, you need to factor in your previous picks and the synergies that might be there. You know, certain holes that your deck might have. Um, things that your deck needs like uh for example like if you're deep into pack two and you don't have any removal uh and you see there's like an okay mediocre removal spell maybe in the context of this format it'd be vanquish the weak um which is you know it's fine not exciting but maybe there's a good creature in your colors that has a much higher win rate i'm not saying that you should take vanquish the weak but i am saying that you it's at least something to consider Instead of just blindly following the data. But I don't think people really do that too much anyway. So I do kind of hesitate to downplay the data. But, um, you know, just make sure that you're not just following it um, just blindly is just the thing I'll say for that. Um, That makes sense. But one of my favorite examples of this set, I think, of how the data can used in action to improve someone's understanding of the format is when Sam Black uh, at the start uh, thought about Assimilate Essence and most people so Assimilate Essence just for context is one in a blue counter-target creature or battle spell unless it's controller pays four and if they do pay the four then you get to incubate two so this card didn't really stand out to anyone um, or at least most limited Enthusiasts at the start of the format because it looked uh, in large part it looked similar to Scatter Ray, which was a recent card in Brother's Boar, which didn't turn out to be great. Scatter Ray, um, again, one of these like two-mana conditional counterspells for creatures. Um, but Sam noticed that the data actually liked the card quite a bit. It was at around uh, 57 or 58% games in hand win rate, which is pretty good for a common. And so he reevaluated it and he started putting it in more decks to see what's going on and he ended up really liking it. And yeah, the card is just great. I mean, it's just, uh, I would call it, I would consider it to be a premium two-drop that you should be looking for. Um, but yeah, it's just not something you might notice if you weren't paying attention to the data. And that's really where I, I like the data to be used for.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I see that card and I think it's a good card. I would, I would definitely not... A... I thought it was one of the best cards
1: oh, for yeah. a common. Yeah, I, I would say that's definitely uh, one of the better commons. Uh, <laughs> so that's all I wanted to say about 17 lands for now. Um, if we want to get into the format overview, kind of big picture stuff, uh, we can talk about uh, what I think to be uh, the best colors. I would say blue is far and away the best color. Um, you know, early into the format, you could pretty easily just force blue I would say um, you get like 4th 5th pick preening champions um, you know as, far as dispersal wheeling those sort of things would happen in, in weeks 1 and 2 but uh, not so much anymore so I would uh, I would not advise people to force blue but it is one of the better colors of, yeah and I, I do like to position myself in the draft to being open uh, to moving into blue in any sort of form even if it's just a splash um, and then black, I would put second. Uh, black and green are pretty close; green being third. Uh, I think that they both have a lot to offer at common, and that's really what makes a color great in limited—is how deep are the col- how deep are the cards at common, and uh, to a slightly lesser extent, uncommon. Because those are just the cards that are going to be played in draft the most. Um,
2: I feel I feel like in gr- every time I've drafted green. I feel like I'm kind of like trapped and it, it goes too many different directions.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so like
2: I, I don't know if it's just the way I've been drafting but like I feel like okay, there's this counter synergy, there's this um, I don't know, there, there's a bunch of different synergies that green has and I always seem to get draft, like pulled in different directions every single time I do green.
1: So and green, I have not liked green at all. So green to me, I feel I feel like there are certainly some trap cards in green. Um, what I like green as is mostly uh, an attrition based color, where you take things like Wary Thespian, the one in a green 3-1 uh, that surveils when it enters and dies, that's just a great card, um, but you play it kind of more defensively than offensively, because I really don't try to be aggressive in this format, I think that the defensive strategies, like I think that attacking is really dangerous, honestly um, between like Battles, which effectively raise the life totals of players because you have to attack the battle instead of the life total, that really uh, disincentivizes aggro. Afar's Dispersal, just punishing people for attacking, uh, Afar's Dispersal is uh, two a blue instant, return target creature to its owner's hand, and then you get to surveil too. But it costs two less to cast if um, it targets an attacking creature. This is the second best common, and... Um, it Honestly, I think it shapes a lot of the texture of the format, just in the way uh, that like you don't want to be all in aggro a lot of the time. And um, I think a lot of that is also because the aggressive decks don't really want to be playing battles, but battles are just such a huge part of the format, it's hard to get away from that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so green green-white, I think, is kind of strange, because white's cards are leaning more aggressive, but green um, has thing like, green's best cards are, kind of, can play um, both ways, but are more defensive. Um, like, Converter breast I would say is my top green common. Uh, the three and a green, o oh, one when it enters the battlefield, Incubate 5. I've really <laughs> liked that card. I think that card's great. But yes um yeah it's not it <laughs> doesn't really play well aggressively um i think that um in my experience if you can get a great attrition based green deck i think that'll work out for you um just be on the, yeah. be on the lookout for like traps that <laughs> maybe trap green white cards or green red battle cards that want you to attack because that's not where i, I really like to be Um, yeah
2: I'm definitely a sucker for plus one plus one counters
1: yeah like botanical (laughs) brawler is a a good way to get into um, green white yeah Uh, but I just don't take that card because I I think that um white is white and red are just so weak I need a good reason to be in white and a great reason to be in white is if if you're also in blue (laughs) because blue white knights is maybe the best deck It's, it's it's the second best or the best um that and blue-black are the two best decks in the format. Um, but blue is pulling a lot of, of a lot of weight there, and you can just take the good white cards and fill your deck with mostly blue cards, and that's kind of how the blue-white decks play. But yeah, huh. I think that combining green with either white or red is usually not where I like to be, but um, I've had a lot of... It. Actually, I've had the most ex- uh, success this format with black-green, just the combination of um, efficient removal in black and uh, the defensive and just on rate, really strong green cards, I think, can really uh, line up well with the format.
2: I mean, that's just typical black green right there. Yeah. Efficient removal and big creatures.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah i do want to talk a little bit about the big creatures like the land cyclers i think um i know people are really high on them and they still are i think but i really do not like the land cyclers i think uh, they were not even tidal terror no I, so i i think that the abzan ones you can play or sorry not the abzan ones um the black blue and white ones uh, are you are playable like if you're deck needs some more playables uh to fill it out then certainly those can work but they're not cards that i'm really looking to play in general um i think that um especially like the green and the red one are just they're just big creatures and i think in this format since removal is so efficient and so good um you you get really you end up in a spot where you're really punished for tapping out for these giant uh you know five five haste for six or six mana six five uh, trample reach like six mana six five trample reach is pretty good stat line like it can block flyers um, it gets past the one one token elementals that are running around the format but it plays out too often where you attack with it it gets bounced or your opponent's holding up count uh two mana assimilate essence and they take your turn away like that, that happened uh in a match on friday that i had at the soldier and um yeah it was just a complete blowout like it felt like my opponent just lost the game on the spot when that happens uh it turned six to just have such a huge tempo disadvantage like that um i just don't think that I think there's enough good cards in the set where you don't need to be putting yourself at this kind of disadvantage. Um, so I think a lot of it is just the way that Limited plays out these days. Like, I think that like, it's not like 5 to 10 years ago where you can be playing Windrakes, right? 3-mana 2-2 two, two Flyer. You mm-hmm. can't be playing... Um, unless it comes with a token like preening champion (laughs) uh the best common in the set you know it's just you have to put a lot of pressure on your cards to be really good nowadays um and i think in general you should just be asking more from your cards uh than just six mana six mana giant thing without an enters the battlefield ability uh
2: yeah, I don't know. I just feel like honestly, with with Title Terror, I'm surprised that you're saying that that card isn't great because I lose to that card more than any other card that I can you know think of in the in this so far.
1: Yeah, so I don't I don't hate Title Terror. I think it's playable, but I do think that it's probably overvalued in general. Um,
2: okay, I just know like when I see it from the other side, it's like, oh god, I'm gonna be taking five damage a turn yeah. if I can't kill that thing right now.
1: Yeah, it's it's certainly something that you need to consider on the battlefield. It it does draw a lot of attention to itself, uh, for better or for worse. So, yeah, as I've been talking about, aggro decks have been having a lot of trouble succeeding in this format. Um, Right, like, this is a format of big games, to borrow Sam Black's terminology, where... Each player just has access to more resources, so um, that kind of implies that attacking is going to be um, less of a thing where you like you're you're able to do. And um, right, aggro decks try to end the game with cards in the opponent's hands because they try to leverage their tempo on the uh, tempo value access. But if the game doesn't work out like that then you're just left with two mana two twos that are just sitting there while your opponent has all of these great uh like card draw spells and removal spells and um all this stuff where you can just get out grinded easily and again like the battles are not doing aggro any favors um like the white and red battles uh save for a few are all pretty like the stats don't like them uh so much like Invasion of Kylem, that's the two in a red and a white battle. Um, when it enters, you give two creatures each plus two plus zero until end of turn, and then it has five, I want to say five um, defense counters, and it flips into two three twos that each get a plus one plus one counter when uh, when a token another token attacks. This card is <laughs> one of the worst cards in the set from a uh, data perspective. It has a 46% win rate, which is just... just awful. Um, it's... I think it's a pretty huge mistake to, to put this into your deck. Um, right, because you're just going to end up in a spot where... you're devoting time and each player are... each player is getting more and more resources and... Um, you know, you just can't end the game. So, your creatures also need to do something when they enter. Uh, you need an immediate value or else, like, blue and all the efficient removal in the set completely uh, can wreck you. So, Mm -hmm. I do just want to say, like, I think Renata, the two and two two green, uh, X3, its power is equal to your devotion to green. Um, And then whenever another creature enters under your control, you put a 1-1 counter on it. I think this card reads kind of well, but um, in Modern Limited, especially this set with all of its removal, I think that it just struggles so much because you need to have an emphasis on immediate impact in the set when you're playing expensive-ish creatures.
2: It's funny. I like that card. Yeah. And again, that card always seems to be the one that like my opponent has it and then all of a sudden their entire board gets huge and it's like, okay, well, this again, how do I beat this if I the removal, to me, hasn't been great. Maybe that's okay. it. Maybe I'm not taking removal high enough.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it, Renata definitely has a high ceiling, right? Um, you can def- there's definitely tokens in the set, um, but just being an X3 for 4 mana that doesn't do anything immediately is uh, necessarily, is I think, too much of a liability in this format. Um, huh. It's not like... So in a vacuum, like in Limited, it, it wouldn't be a terrible card. It's just... The sets nowadays are just so so powerful. Um, you There are just better options.
2: Yeah, you're probably right.
1: Um, but. Yeah, another card that's similar to Renata, I think is probably Seraph of New Capenna. Uh, this was the, the Windrake that can transform into... Uh, in a like a fallen angel kind of variant. So this thing um, kind of represents a trend in the transform creatures that cost a lot to transform um, that being I don't I think that like Renata they're too much of a liability. Um, it's just when you go to transform one of these creatures you could just get blown out and or, the impact you're spending so much mana and with for only one creature and you're not impacting the board enough. So uh I would be careful about these transform creatures. I think you really want their front side to be worth it on their own. Um like Skyclave Varialist, which is one in a blue for a two-one flyer, which is already mm-hmm. a great start. And it does it does have an expensive transform ability for four mana. Um and then it transforms into a 2-4 flyer where you get the coiling oracle effect, so you reveal the top card of your library, and then if it's a land, you put it in play, if not, put it into your hand. Um, you, you can kind of get blown out by that if you go for it, but um, if you're playing the card, you can probably engineer a situation where you don't get burned out too much if you do go for it, and you generally don't do it unless like you don't have that much action going on anyway. So. That card is great, that's one of the better on commons Just because it's front side is so good
2: Yeah So this is what you wanted to talk about too When we talked in the pre-show about um, My white-red deck mm-hmm. And I said The uh, red-white transform creature That makes a copy of itself Did so well For me and But it costs 5 and a red For exceed mana to uh, Transform Yeah but I'm telling you, well, like when I had it in play and it did its thing, because I thought first of all it's a two mana two two. Okay, that's a normal fine card for an aggressive format. And then when it switches, it becomes more aggressive, and that's what I really liked about it. But if aggressiveness isn't that good, yeah, I could I could see why you'd be surprised by that. But I don't know. I just it worked for me in uh, in my deck.
1: So because this format is so value oriented and games don't play out. In a way where two mana two, two two is a great deal i think that this card definitely suffers because that means that its front side isn't really pulling its weight and i think investing seven mana into this thing is just too much i think that you want to you i think that it compares similar to similarly to order of the mirror which is uh the one in a blue two one that has the 3-mana transform ability to turn into a 3-3 three, three with flanking. And, th- mm-hmm. you know, this creature doesn't look terrible. Um, and its transformability is certainly lower. Like, 3 is a huge difference from 5. But I feel like I like these cards kind of equally in that um, I don't find myself putting 2-mana 2-2, 2-mana 2-1 in my decks. I think that um, there's just... Enough, to the dro- enough, uh, better two drops that, um, do other things like uh, Nizumi Informant is one I've been really impressed with, which is the one in a black, one one when it enters the battlefield, each opponent discards a card, um, that is a card that I will play pretty much as many copies as I can get my hands on, and that's I think the kind of two drop that you want that scales well into the late game, um. Or it's effective in the late game. It's um, puts pressure on your opponent um, in terms of its in terms of resources, not life total, um, because I think uh, pressuring the life total isn't so important in this format. You would certainly have to get on on the board early, um, because since this is a higher powered set, because that's just the way limited is uh, nowadays. You can't. It's not like you're just. Each player is just dirtling around doing nothing. You have to be doing things. But you can get away with 2 mana 1-1. One, one. That's certainly something that you can get away with and not get too punished for just uh, top-decking in the late game. Yeah,
2: Good to know. Good
1: to know. Um,
2: should we open up some packs? You want to yeah. You want to show us what we should be drafting and what we should not be drafting? Yeah, sounds great. Excellent. I just looking for any
0: excuse to open up a pack on the... Uh podcast,
2: huh? <laughs> I do love opening packs, but here, isn't that a great sound?
0: It's gonna sound oh, I'm going to have so much editing with that sound. <laughs> yeah, it smells great from here, Tony.
2: Doesn't it? Okay, so here's what we're going to start with. Boom. It's a blank card. It's, a, it's, it's, it's nothing.
1: I think the rare is going to be first, right? It is. It is. So then
2: we got the uh, the planes, but we're gonna go backwards. Okay. Okay. So, first card up, Bladed Battle Fam. One in a black for a flash artifact equipment. When it enters the battlefield, attach it to target creature you control. That creature gains indestructible until end of turn. Equipped creature gets plus one plus plus oh, zero and has an equipped cost of one.
1: So this is a card that, um, this is a card that I don't love mainly because of its emphasis on combat. Um, again, I just don't, I don't think that this is like winning combat um, for two mana and leaving around sort of like a, a nice little equipment um, is really what your black decks are about. So I don't put this into my decks, but it's certainly not terrible.
2: Next up is Karsis Death Guard. Two and a red for a 4 3 defender. Nate, this is right up your alley. It's a red 4 3. Okay. Defender? It's not up my alley. (laughs) As long as it's. As long as Karsis Death Guard's power is five or greater, it can attack as though it didn't have Defender. So if you just attach your Bladed Battle Fan to it, it can attack. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. You know? I'm not not saying it's a combo I just have (laughs) blocked. Uh.
1: Yeah, so I think this card should bring up a PSA about red creatures in the set. Like, uh, I don't know what happened to the red creatures, but they're just so so bad in the set. Um, just the common and uncommon red creatures, for whatever reason, there's only like a couple of them that are uh, that are good, and then the rest of them are like, okay, I, I guess if I have yeah. to, this is not. I don't think that this card falls in the category of that. I just don't think that you should. That's a bad card. Is. Yeah, this is bad. Yeah, <laughs> uh, sounds terrible. Yeah, it's just uh, too much effort for like your payoff being um, a creature that's one power more than a creature you wouldn't even want to put in your deck. Correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, our next card made our top ten list. We
2: have an etched familiar. It's a two and a black for a two three two. When it dies, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life.
1: Yeah, this card is fine. Um, I think maybe a little overvalued by like the general drafting population. Um, it's not a card that I love. Um, it's not I, it's a black common. Um, so it's competing for a lot of space in that territory, I think. Um, just because of how deep black is at common. And just the 3-2 mana body um, that gets to drain when it dies is... um, You know, I definitely want to be here more than I want to be on a 2-mana 2-2 with no abilities. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely playable. Uh, Not really synergistic in any way. Uh, But, yeah, you can play it.
2: Okay, I would have said that's just basically a filler card. Yeah, it's I've...
1: filler. That's a good way to describe it.
2: Our next one is a good one, I think. I think it is, so it means it's probably a terrible card. But, it's we'll Skittering Surveyor. Three mana for a 1-2. When it enters the battlefield, you can search your library for a basic land, put it in your hand, and then shuffle.
1: So I think... Uh... People remember this card probably from Dominaria Limited, where it was. I think it was the best common. I didn't play. It was then. yes. Um, it was it, the
2: card was tremendous back then.
1: Yeah, so that was a that was a, a um, definitely a different context because in Dominaria Limited, um, there were so many bombs, and the card quality at common was so terrible. What to the point where um, you wanted to splash, but there weren't that many splashing tools, because uh, you wanted to splash for those bombs. And Skittering Surveyor is probably the best way to do it, just because um, you know it leaves a 1-2 body, which is good at double-blocking, triple-blocking. It's, de- it's definitely relevant, and it gets to draw you a card, a specific card that can help you play um, a bomb that's going to be leagues above whatever commons are filling out the decks in that format, because uh, Dominaria format was very low power. People just, you know, the the commons were so bad. And in this format, I definitely like it a lot less because of that. Um, but it, it's still okay. Um, I, would st- I would still call it a good card. You definitely play it if you're splashing. Um, but if you're not splashing, I do try to cut this. Um, hmm. I think there are just enough better cards in the set where you don't need it if your mana's good.
2: Okay, interesting, because
1: I mean, you, you said things need an enter-the-battlefield
2: effect, and this definitely has that, so I just kind of yeah. thought it would be a better card than, than you're making it out to be. That's good to know.
1: It's not a high Up pick, next. I would say.
2: No, no, I wouldn't say the high pick, but better than filler. I would take this over an etched familiar.
1: Yeah, I would too.
2: Up next, we get a Chomping Kavu. Three and a green for a 3-3 three, Kavu three with backup one. Uh, and it says, This creature can't be blocked with creature power two or less.
1: Yeah, I actually like this one. Um, I think this is like a 23rd card that I'm actually reasonably um, happy to play. Like, this is the kind of card that you play when you don't get enough Incubator Beasts and to fill out your 4-drop slot. And i'm totally fine running this it's just gets around the tokens gets around skittering surveyor (laughs) um Uh it kind of has pseudo haste because you just put the counter on something and bash and uh sometimes the the ability can be really relevant um you certainly notice it where it matters and where it doesn't it's uh three three that puts a counter somewhere and i don't like four mana uh 4-4 in the set, which is kind of the stats that you're getting. Uh, But, you know, the saving grace, I think, is that you get to put the counter wherever you want, and you do get the bonus of getting to attack through tokens. Mm
2: -hmm. Okay, up next, Burning Sun's Fury. One and a red for a Convoke. Uh, Up to two creatures, each get plus 2, plus 0, and haste until the turn.
1: To me, when I look at this card... (laughs)
2: <laughs> I don't understand Convoke on a thing that you want to give creatures 2 plus I don't plus two, understand plus that either. In that haste. makes
1: no sense to me at all. This thing is just horrible. Yeah, I don't know why Convoke is on the card. I don't know why you want to just be boosting power and not toughness. Like, it doesn't save your creature from combat. I don't no. understand what happened with this card. <laughs> but th- th-
2: This card seems like a huge miss. Yeah. This is just this is so bad. <laughs> Agreed. That's my okay, first Okay, up pick. next. <laughs> <laughs> it's red. It makes sense. Correct. Yep. Back one
1: pick. Oh, put this on the Doom Doomguard and you attack with a 6-3. Boom! With haste. With haste, yeah. They won't see it coming.
0: If you, And because as Defender and Can't Attack, you can
2: tap it to play it. <laughs> just saying. But, but then you can't attack. I'm just it saying. <laughs> okay, up next. One that, you know, I think you're going to really... I think you're going to like. Protocol Knight. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Uh, three in a uh, blue. When it uh, for three four human knight. When it enters the battlefield, target creature and opponent, or tap target creature and opponent controls. Put a stun counter on that. If you control another knight.
1: Yeah, this is a player in the blue white knight stack. Um, yeah, just it kind of reminds me of Spara's adjudicators uh, from Streets of New Capenna, which was a great common. Um, just being able, it's such a huge tempo play to just take your opponent's creature out of commission for um, for a turn cycle or two and just get in with your aggressive knights. Maybe you've got a Marshal of Zalfir pumping up your other knights, and this is just part of the knights curve, which can be really scary when um, you don't have a, a quick start. So this is, this cards like this is why it's still important to get on the board early, even if you're not necessarily um, in a racing situation a lot of the time, or... Um, you don't really want to be attacking in this format Um, so the blue white knight stack can play on both sides of the spectrum really easily which is why I like that deck a lot it can pressure if it needs to and kind of tell the opponent you need to do something um, or it can sit back with Raf and play the long game I, I think protocol knight really fits into that strategy well
2: up next, aerial boost. One on a white with Convoke again. Target creature gets plus two, plus two, and flying until the turn.
1: Yeah, I think I think this might be the best white common. I I do actually take this pretty early uh, for a white common. <laughs> uh, I was gonna.
2: I assumed you were gonna say that, so I was gonna ask Nate if he thought that ahead of time that this would be the best white common.
0: I don't know if it would be the best, but I'd definitely a really good one.
2: Okay. Okay
1: yeah i mean especially like on arena you can kind of tell if your opponent has it just because of the stop when they have no mana open but like Mm -hmm. so much of the time you can't play around it it Mm there it's gonna get something it's gonna kill you it's gonna eat one of your creatures um and just so what keep going sorry no i was just gonna say like it just plays really well into the knight's curve out
2: that's all the commons now. So what is the first pick so far?
1: Uh, so nothing really stand out too much from the common slot. Okay. Um, none of these commons I would hope to first pick or be happy first picking. Um, yeah. I think the most standout one is probably Aerial Boost so far. Okay.
2: All right, but let's go on to the uncommons. we got a Streetwise Negotiator, one and a green for an 0-2 with backup one. This creature assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power.
1: Oh, I love this one. This is just 2-mana really? 3-3. Three, three. Really? See,
0: yeah. it sounds terrible to me.
2: A 2-mana 3-3 three, three seems terrible to you?
0: No, a 2-mana 3-3 three, three doesn't seem terrible. It's just I don't read that as a 2-mana 3-3, three, three, that's all. So maybe <laughs> that's why.
2: Yeah, I mean, it does say a 2-mana 0-2. Oh, mm-hmm but it does, you know, a little bit more than that.
1: Yeah. Um, It can be more than a 2-mana 3-3. Like, 2-mana 3-3 is just um, just its floor. Like, you can put this on a high toughness creature, um, put the counter on it, and then just bash, and they have to respect it, right? They're either taking a lot of damage or they're chomping or or they're trading for a creature that (laughs) wasn't even that good to begin with, so it's just a, a huge tempo play, and on turn two on the play, you just play it as a two mana three three, and gets in a lot of damage early, blocks while attacks while and it's a it's a three mana for two, uh, three three for two mana. It's great. I will it's say that they definitely the nailed the New Penna vibe of <laughs> just like uh, unreasonable two drop. <laughs> um, so it makes sense why uh, this creature is from New Capenna.
2: I don't know. Wasn't it the unreasonable three drops out of Newcapeno?
1: I think it where was we ever- had Jewel
2: Thief, where we had uh, that Angel. Those were all three drops.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess I was thinking of um, Civil Servant. Oh, true. Yeah. Body Dropper yep. and Snooping Newsy and just I mean the whole set was kind of absurd. <laughs> I agreed. Fully agreed.
2: Okay, and the card that gets me all the time, and that I absolutely hate, <laughs> Phyrexian Sensor. Two and a white for a 3-3 forexian wizard. Each player can't cast more than one non forexian spell each turn. non forexians enter the battlefield tapped.
1: Yeah, so if we talk about power level aside from the design, which the design is pretty terrible and is set with battles. Because the way this plays out is, um, if you didn't know, if you play a battle and then you attack it the turn you play it, and then you try to you flip the battle, the battle just goes to the graveyard. You can't cast it, because that would be your second non-Phyrexian spell.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. It gets me every single time. I hate this card. It's
1: it's such a strange design choice. But putting that aside, um, the card itself is fine. It's Archon a, of Emeria.
2: It is, basically.
1: Yeah, so in the decks where you're playing this, um, even if you don't have a lot of Phyrexians, like, Putting this in a blue whites night deck is, is fine because the downside is gonna hurt your opponent more than you most of the time. So this is one I'm I'm okay taking. Um probably not first picking, um, because I don't like I need an incentive to be drafting white, and this uh this one this like pack one pick one is not that for me.
2: Okay, let's see if we can get you to pick a Nizumi Freewheeler. Three and a black for a 3-3 rat Samurai with Menace. When it enters the battlefield, each player mills three cards. And then for five and a Phyrexian White, you can transform it into a Hideous Flesh Wheeler, which is a 4-5 with Menace. And when this creature transforms into the Hideous Flesh Wheeler, put target permanent card with mana value two or less from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control.
1: So the Free Wheeler... I don't like as a four mana three three uh, menace that's just that's just atrocious um in modern limited uh you definitely need to ask more of your cards than that and it does have the backside, but again this is just one of those expensive transform creatures where i don't like the front side and the way this plays out is just that it's it's not something where you should be really willing to spend 8 to 9 mana transforming this thing into a 4 or 5 with, with uh, you know, it has a relevant ability uh, but um, yeah, not really where you want to be, I'd say
2: Alright, up next we get Invasion of Asgol It is a black and a red uh, battle with 4 loyalty ca- loyalty oh. counters, defense. what are these called? Look at defense defense counters. counters Sure. When it enters the battlefield, target player sacrifices a creature or planeswalker and loses one life if you're able to flip it, it flips into the Ashen Reaper, which is a 2-1 Zombie Elemental with Menace. At the beginning of your end step, put a plus one plus one counter on Ashen Reaper if a permanent was put into a graveyard from the battlefield this turn.
1: Uh, yeah, this one is, is uh, I'd say it's pretty good. Um, if you're in black red, this is a fine card. Um, I don't like edicts generally in limited, but I think that the backside of this card provides enough value um, to the point where you're pretty happy putting this Edict into your deck. And... Because the problem with Edicts and Limited is just that they're just awful in the late game. Um, they're they're good on turn 2, or at least they're acceptable on turn 2, but later if they just sacrifice a token, it's like... It's like you drew a land, basically. It's not even, it's not even a spell at that point. But um, if you can play this early, it's pretty good. Um, the backside is a good threat, and... You get that on top of the kind of one-for-one value of making your opponent sack a creature. So, I do like this card. Um, I actually didn't like it at the start of the format, but I've come around to it. And I would not be looking to first pick this, um, mostly because it's a gold card. You don't want to really be locking yourself into two colors, and this kind of does because it's not like you're splashing it.
2: Okay, well let's talk about one of the rares in the pack, because we got two rares in this pack. Which is nice. This one on it, it's, it has the word Ragavan. Uh-oh. But it's Baral and Karizev. One <laughs> blue and a red for a 2-4 human, legendary. Uh, first Strike and Menace. When you cast your first instant or sorcery spell each turn, you may cast a spell with lesser mana value that shares a card type with it from your hand without paying its mana cost. If you don't create First Mate Ragavan, a legendary 2-1 Red Monkey Pirate creature token, <coughs> it gains haste until end of turn. That's a lot of words. That is a lot of words. <laughs> I I honestly, the first time I played against this card, I had to read it like three or four times because I was like, I don't know what this card does. Yeah, I
1: still don't know what it does. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's good. Yeah. It's um, Yeah, it's good. It's... um. Yeah, it's again. It's another gold card, so I don't really want to first pick it. Also, it's in red. It's in blue, which I like, but it's in red. Red, I think, is the worst color. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm still on Streetwise Negotiator for me. Um, I just think that just the the two mana three three with upside is. Um, I think. I think both cards are good and. I can conceive of a world where I'm fi- first picking either of them, honestly. I I don't think I would fault you for taking one over the other at this point. Um, I would just lean towards Streetwise and Gauchier because I do think they're very comparable, and I would prefer to be in green plus another color that leaves me open rather than uh, blue-red.
2: Okay, well, the last rare in the pack has the same name as one of the things we just read. So... It's not the monkey, unfortunately. Is Burrell, the Chief of Compliance? 1 and a blue for a 1-3. Legendary Human. Uh, instance and Sorceries you uh, cast cost 1 less. Whenever a spell or ability you control counters a spell, you get to draw a card. If you do, discard a card.
1: Yeah, I like this card. Um, there's plenty of Instance and Sorceries in blue and black that you want to be playing, so I'd, I'd want to pair this with, uh, with black, probably. Um, but even if you're just blue-green or whatever... Uh, blue-white, uh, maybe less so, but there's a lot of instances and in Sorceries where if you can get a couple discounts on a couple of your spells, you just put yourself ahead, and I like that. And the counter text does come up from time to time. There are some good counters in the set, like Artistic Refusal and Assimilate Essence.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, is that what you're taking? Or are you still taking the Streetwise Negotiator?
1: I think it's very close. I think... So in situations where it's this close, I think I tend to defer to the bed, the better color, but I think I would probably take the, the Negotiator. I have just been liking Green recently. I feel like it's open enough. Um, people are starting to respect Blue a little bit more, and um, I think that Streetwise Negotiator is just always going to be great, and we're all—it doesn't require a ton of work, but— um, its floor is just that it's a 2-mana 1-3, which is pretty bad, um, even though it's often better than that. So I, I think I would still take the Negotiator, but it's close. Again, <laughs> wouldn't fault anyone for taking one over the other.
2: Very nice. Understood. Okay, we are now an hour and a half into the podcast, so uh, so Nate doesn't have to edit anymore. We're not going to do the second pack. <laughs>
0: I appreciate it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I figured you would. Um, okay, so uh, no time for deck lists, I'm assuming, this week, Nate correct (laughs) okay sounds good if you want to see our deck lists uh come check out our discord and the only way to do that of course is if you're a patron so you'll have to go to patreon.com slash filthy netdeckers and join the greatest people on this earth but anyway you can find the filthy netdeckers podcast on all social media follow us everywhere twitter facebook instagram tiktok pretty much wherever you can find me at MTG underscore Tony or Nate at Darth Heretic on Twitter. If you want to talk to Luke, you're gonna to have to talk to me or Nate, and then we'll talk to him and then we'll get back to you.
0: <laughs> and Luke does hang out in our Discord, so He does. If you are in our Discord, I'm sure Luke, and you were like, Luke, I listened to you this week. You were awesome. He would be like thankful. You know? Yeah. Yeah. When they right.
2: say, Luke, why don't you have a podcast instead of these clowns? Correct. <laughs> 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 um if you want to find me on TikTok I'm Tony the Magic Man check me out. Everyone loves that. Um I want to thank uh, Luke for showing up this week yes, and thank you helping much. us out a ton. Yeah, thank
1: you it was so awesome. much for having me. This
0: was great. There is yeah. so yep. much about this that I do not know as someone who has played magic for as long as I have.
2: Yeah and that's why you know mm-hmm. in the casual upgrades we talked about it. You yep. know this is something you become a better magic player if you play different formats. Mm-hmm. 100%. So feel free to share your deck list with us. It makes our jobs that much easier. That's it. We're done. Thank you, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. See ya. Oh, this wasn't recording the whole time. Let's do it.